If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. You just found the world's number one fitness, health, and entertainment podcast. This is Mind Pump. All right, in today's episode, we talk about how to become the strongest person in your gym. Now, why is this important? Well, first of all, it's cool to be the strongest person, but also... If you're strong, you probably also look amazing. You've got good muscle, and it helps speed up the metabolism to get lean. You look amazing. Getting strong is really fun, and it's really great. And in this episode, we talk about the things you should do to get yourself as strong as possible, especially in the big five lifts. Now, this episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Viore. Viore makes the best athleisure wear you'll find anywhere. I love their clothing, especially their Sunday joggers. Very comfortable. They look nice. They last a long time. And Viore has a lifetime guarantee on everything. Go check them out and get the Mind Pump discount. Go to vioreclothing.com. That's V-U-O-R-I clothing.com forward slash Mind Pump. And then use the code Mind Pump for 20% off. Also, in this episode, you hear us talking a lot about strength. So here's what we did. We took our two best programs for strength, MAPS Strong and MAPS Powerlift, okay? Both very popular programs. And we did 72% off if you get both of them. This is a huge, huge discount. Now, this promotion is a flash sale. It ends very soon. It ends on the 19th. Go check it out. Go to mapspowerbundle.com and go get them both uh, for 72% off. All right. Enjoy the podcast. Justin, I'm going to need your your full attention. This is going to be a topic that um, Sal won't be able to help us out that much. What the hell? Okay, um, I got you. Well, I mean, he's he's going to have some really good book knowledge that he can share with us. But I really <laughs> want to talk about being the strongest guy in the gym. Oh, come on, oh, yeah. bro! <laughs> come we de- on, we definitely bro. know a lot more. Yeah, about that. so that's not true. You know, if we were if we were building the the uh, a program the or, or structuring some bullet points for, you know, a, a, a young man right now that's, that came to you. And I'm sure we all had a client like this and said, man, I, I aspire to be, I want to be yeah. the strongest. Young, young lady strong. too. Yeah, I yeah. get DMs from women. No, no, all no the true. Time. Very, very true. Both sexes. Uh, but I had a lot of young, this was a, a more common with the uh, young, young yeah. men that I would get that would come in and say to me that I, I want to be the strongest dude in the gym. I want to walk in and just own. Yeah, and how would I, how would you train me? Uh, what does that look like? So, although Sal won't be able to help out too much, I do. <laughs> Stop, bro. <laughs> yeah. You know what? The irony. The irony of what you're saying. You have a little is, anecdote. No, no, no. Okay. But, all, no, yeah. all joking aside, the irony is that um, of of the three of us, you were the least interested. Truthfully, right. no, no, no. In true. strength, right? That's very, very true. I actually did not ever train for strength until we all met. Yeah. yeah. So, and this is good because uh, we all. Were worked out for a long time. Um, and I, for me, strength was always very important. I love strength. Um, I still do. It's one of my favorite things to train for. Justin, of course, being the athlete and strength is a physical pursuit. So right. if you want to get better strength at sports, performance, yeah, definitely. you get stronger. Adam was always more of the aesthetic guy, want to look good or whatever, competed as a, a on stage as a, as a physique competitor. And so you worked out for a long time without ever focusing on strength. Yeah, and then the- you threw it in. And the reason why this is so good is because I, you know, it's it's great to hear from you what yeah. benefits you got from focusing yeah, on how strength. That translated then to pursue. Yeah, because I focused aesthetic. on it from day one, but right. you, you did it later, and you got to see the the, the incredible transformation. No, totally. And, and truth be told, I'm teasing Sal. I'm I'm not the strongest one out of us. I'm like a mediocre at all lifts. That's kind of what's happened to me, right? Uh, and probably for the the reasons you're saying, you know, for most of my career, I did not pursue strength. I was, uh, in fact, I used to uh, pride myself on saying that I was all show and no go. You know, it was like I used to. Would you say like, when I take my shirt off, that a girl's not going to ask me how much yeah. I bench? Right? Yeah, that's why. That's why I used to say. I mean, Justin, I know I've said that to Justin uh, at least a, a totally. hand, handful of times when he worked for me way back when because I, he was very strength focused. Yeah, it blew my mind. I'm like, what? Yeah, <laughs> you think like that? Yeah, and I was like, dude. I mean, at, tell me. I'm like, how many girls? Know how much you bench press or squat? Like, no, <laughs> Justin's a, all, yeah. all of them. Like, and the first I always tell them. And yeah. mind you, I mean, I'm 20 years old, right? And so that's sure. a lot of my fo- focus is around gaining girls' attention. So of course, my my goals have changed yeah. in as I've gotten older. Yeah. But you're right um, because it's really cool to see that because I mean, I started working out young, but I always loved strength. So I didn't get to see the discrepancy that you got to see because you trained for a while without focusing on. Then you did later. 
And I, I mean, let's talk about what that did for your body. Well, first, let's talk about uh, why I did it and and the mistakes in that, right? right. You know, even being a trainer, right? So I, I would consider myself fairly knowledgeable, even in my 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, at that time, probably five or six national certifications. I had a few years experience under my belt, worked around a lot of knowledgeable people. But I fell into that trap of thinking that if I wanted to build an aesthetic physique that training in singles, doubles, triples, even five by five blocks. I mean, that's all comes from the strength community. Mm-hmm. That's And I had no desire to be a power lifter, an Olympic lifter. That didn't even appeal to me whatsoever. I just wanted to build it. So I really just avoided that. I avoided it because it. I didn't identify with the people that spoke to that way of training for Makes so sense. long. Mm-hmm. And that was a massive mistake. And I didn't learn that mistake, really, uh, how much of a mistake that was until we all got together. And it, it was you guys who kept pushing me in the direction of like, yeah, you, you don't ever train in singles or triples or you don't ever run a five-by-five five block or what have you ever like, – you guys could have asked me my deadlift, my squat, and my bench press what my max was, and I could tell you I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had never at that point – this is true story. Maybe when I was like a young teenage boy, we tried to see how much we'd lift. But once I learned that that wasn't very beneficial for my pursuit, I never maxed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I would tell clients that it was it was really not a good idea for most people. It was high risk, and most people get injured. You're not going to see a lot of benefits from doing it. Um, but I didn't realize how much it could help with my aesthetic pursuit. Mm. And you guys really helped me, you know, bring that all together when we. And it was kind of almost by accident because my goals were kind of shifting. I had already kind of competed and made my way up the level and I was kind of on my way out of that. But yet there was some areas I wanted to work on. In particular, it was my back. You know, my back was something that in men's physique, if you have a really big, wide, impressive, thick back with a little waist, which I have naturally a little waist. Mm -hmm. And so if you can build this really dominant back, uh, it really wins shows. It really does. You turn around and and you can tell, uh, and, I, and I know this now, I, did, I learned this going through this, you can really tell what guys are you know, deadlifting and lifting heavy by just the density of their back and the, the size of it. Mm-hmm. And that was something that like came on really fast for me when I started training for strength. Yeah, strength is... Now, I, I've always loved strength, mainly because uh, I come from a family that loves strength. My dad was is a very strong guy, and he would always do these feats of strength. He worked in construction. You know, he would tell stories of his dad and his grandfather, and so I always valued being really strong. So right away when I started working out, I, I lifted, and I liked to see how much I could lift, and it was something that was important to me. I like to look good, but I also really loved. In fact, I probably like being strong even more than I like uh, the aesthetics. But you know, here's the beauty of strength: when you get stronger, you're probably doing most things right. You mm-hmm. really are. I mean, if you're if the scale moves five pounds up or down, it could be good, it could be bad. We don't know what's going yeah, on. It's objective. It's not subjective. It's very objective. The, at the very base prime level. And muscle does a lot more. It's very metabolically active and all that stuff. But it's very simple base level. Muscle moves things. And in getting stronger means your muscles are either firing better mm-hmm. or they're building more. So it's one of those two. So strength is this it's one of the best things you could possibly pursue in order to improve your physique. And I loved more than anything, I loved getting clients who were the average person mm-hmm. To focus on strength, especially women, mainly because, I know you said this earlier, Adam, how guys are, if anyone's going to be more focused on how much they can lift in the gym, it's a guy. And if anybody's going to be afraid of lifting heavy Mm -hmm. because they're afraid of getting bulky, right, because they've been told this stupid lie forever, it's going to be women. So I would get these female clients who are like, oh, you know, I want to lose weight. I want better curve. I want a nicer butt. I want nicer hamstrings. And, And I'm talking them into doing sets of three and four and powerlifting movements and we're going to deadlift and squat. And luckily I'm very convincing and they would trust me. And then their bodies would just transform. Like almost and immediately. Blow them away. They've never had any 
uh, exposure to that type of training before. I used to love that too, because, you know, in my background, it was very much, I, I would look at the, the person, whatever sport I was playing, who's the best. And I, and I would always be competitive amongst myself to aspire to be better and to be on that same level. And so, uh, when we started to get bigger and I got into high school and, and we started lifting weights, it was that same energy I brought into the weight room. And I would, I would look around and see who's, who's the one doing the most weight uh, for bench press. Who's the one doing the most weight for squat, for deadlift, for whatever it was. Uh, I was always trying to push myself to, to see where my threshold lie, my my peak performance lied. And that was something that I, I always tried to challenge myself to, to get better at. So you alluded to something else that reminds me of the mistake I made too. Uh, you know, when you, when you just care about looking a certain way, leaning out, uh, having some muscle mass on you, you can you can actually uh, get away with some subpar programming, mm -hmm. and I think I I fell victim of this of of thinking that I was programming really well, and because I wasn't measuring strength as an indicator of oh I'm doing a good job of that, and all I cared about was the way I look, which we know a lot of that has to do with diet. And so I didn't realize how much more my programming could improve until I started to use strength as, as a way to measure that. And that made a huge difference in also how I wrote programs. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll tell you what. When we first started uh, Mind Pump, the, the, one of the areas of the fitness space that was wide open was workout programming. 99% uh, of it out there was complete garbage. The 1% of workout programming that's good was strength athlete yeah. uh, workout program. Powerlifting. W it was powerlifting, Olympic lifting, strongman training, anything where they're programming workouts for athletes to compete and they have to objectively be stronger. They always have the best programming. Bodybuilding programming, often terrible. Uh, a lot of it depends on genetics and if they're taking anabolic steroids and all that kind of stuff. And diet. Diet. But yeah. if you get stronger you're probably doing a lot of things right. And I'll tell you what right now, if you want to build muscle, there is nothing that's more guaranteed than getting stronger that'll get you more muscle. Nothing. There's nothing you could possibly do that'll, if you consistently, uh, you can definitely get stronger without building more muscle, but if you consistently get stronger over time, it's the most guaranteed way you have of, of building muscle. There's nothing else that'll ensure that you're going to put muscle on your body, speed up your metabolism, uh, balance out your hormones. You know, if you have hormone issues, if you're a woman and you have hormone imbalance issues, if you're a man and your testosterone levels are low, uh, if you have good workout program and you find yourself getting consistently stronger, that's going to have the best impact on those things. So it's it's one of the most important um, things to measure and to watch for all people who work out, regardless of your goal. Um, it's again, it's extremely important. It's very protective, prevents you from getting injured. And it just, it'll tell you, look, if you have poor sleep and a poor diet, if your workout program is off, like you're not going to get stronger. So to get stronger, a lot of things have to be done right. You know, when we were structuring this episode with the, you know, the, the six most important points to becoming the, the strongest guy in the gym, right? I'm, re I'm really glad that we started uh, with this first one. You know, the very first one to me is uh, the most important because- if I was a young guy and I got the information that you you guys are presenting right now, I'm not sure I would have applied it correctly. Right. I, I would hear, oh, get stronger. Because I do remember- I mean, uh, just go heavier. Yeah. I do remember a small point. In fact, because when I was like before I became a trainer and started like, really reading anything, and uh, must, must, most of my fitness knowledge came from like magazines, mm -hmm. you know, they were saying, you know, lift heavy six reps. And I did a lot of the six rep training form was terrible though. Mm -hmm. It was, it was all about, can I lift more weight? And I was, I was sacrificing my technique just to try and add weight. And I realized that it didn't benefit me that much. It wasn't until I lightened the load, worked yeah. on my technique and I saw greater gains. This is what kept me from ever going back to that direction was because I saw yes. huge benefits. Well, wasn't there also the factor of uh, like compound lifts, like the big five lifts? Like yes. That really wasn't something that you introduced to later. Right. And, I, and I know a lot of uh, friends of mine even uh, would go into gyms and be a lot more comfortable with the machines. And that's where they would stay. And it's just like, it, it seemed like the a backloaded squat or barbell lifts were, you know, a little bit uh, too dangerous. They just didn't know the mechanics of it you know, and they didn't know how to perform it properly. So they just decided to avoid it. Right. right. So strength is pretty specific. So meaning if you get really strong at 
one thing, all the strength that you gain definitely goes to that one thing. And then you'll get some carryover to other things. Some exercises give you more carryover to other things than others. So to give you an example, if you added 100 pounds to your leg press, you would get less carryover to lunges, squats, sprints, leg extensions than you would if you added 100 pounds to your barbell squat, right? So the five big lifts, when we mention the five big lifts, what we're talking about are the exercises that are the best ones to get stronger at because they give you the most carryover to everything else and as a side effect, build the most muscle and burn the most body fat. So, you know, you got your obviously your big three powerlifting movements where your deadlift, your bench press, your, you know, your squat, but then you have your overhead press, which is another phenomenal exercise. And then you can throw in like a, a row that's probably like a barbell row that you might want to throw in there. Now you do those exercises and you get stronger at those, you'll see a lot more carryover than if you focused on getting stronger on any other five exercises. Okay. And I have to, again, go back to my point I was trying to make was that the key to that is practicing those lifts yeah. often. Yes. Yeah. And by practice, it doesn't mean I'm always trying to add weight to the the barbell. The, mastering the technique. Yes. Because as a young a young man that I'm hearing this, I would be like, you know, okay, so those are the five lifts. Just push I get weight. It. Yeah, just push weight, push weight. Yeah. And I wouldn't, and which is, is strange because I have an athletic background and I know better in sports that like you don't go after it like that. Yeah, if you hit, if you hit a ball with the, if you're, if you're swinging a bat and you have shitty form, that's right. Your coach isn't going to tell you to swing harder. That's right. They're going to fix your technique. That's right. And yet we you do layups before you do dunks. That's right. And yet we apply training sometimes not like this. No. You know, we, we just start adding load where if you treat it the same way of getting good at another skill, like the ones you just alluded to. Uh, you'll see huge benefit and carry over. So that is the foundation is, okay, here's my core five lifts. And the goal is to get good at the movement. Not yet. Your goal isn't yet to get really strong or add a ton of weight to it. Get good at the movement. Get yeah. really, really good and efficient at it. And then you start to the load. The key is this, is the word practice. Don't work out. Practice the lifts often, right? So go into the gym and do squats often and treat it, like Adam said, like a skill. You're practicing the skill. You're practicing the skill. In fact, if you look at old Soviet era training, and they had some of the best studies uh, back in those days for strength, you would see these athletes, they would go in and they would train with, I don't know, 50% of their max and they would practice them all the time and they would do the same reps all the time. And then at the end of like 30 days, they would add weight. Even though they could have added weight earlier, they didn't add weight for 30 days, but the jumps in strength were significant because what you're trying to do is you're trying to learn the skill because a lot of strength is a skill. And when you have the skill, when the skill is good, the strength gains you get are phenomenal and they're safe and they build the most muscle. When your skill is bad, you limit the strength, you limit the muscle building and you increase the risk of injury. Well, and this speaks to the second point, which is learning how to manipulate intensity. Yes. When you are practicing, you are not going at 100%. You're not running. That's you, you, if you do that, that's where injury occurs. That's where the fallout is. That's, that's where, where your technique goes. That's right. And so you got to learn how to manipulate the intensity level. And there is a time and place. Okay, there's a time and place to challenge that, right? To take mm. an exercise or something to failure. But it's way less than the average kid thinks. It's, I mean, I, that was a big mistake that I made was, I can't remember this. It was probably some article I read in a, in a magazine or somewhere or being told from somebody who I thought was you know, very knowledgeable in weightlifting that you know, going to failure would stimulates all this extra growth. Mm -hmm. So then what happened? You know, kid like me hears that information. Failure now, all the time. Now every workout, we yeah. train to failure all That's the, the goal. time. Yes. Yeah. yeah and you know, you know what's funny about that is the studies now confirm exactly what you're saying, that failure is not uh, effective at building more muscle and strength. Intensity is important. You should definitely get close to failure for some of your lifts. But don't go too to, to failure. It's actually detrimental for most people. And then manipulate your intensity in the sense that, because I used to think if it wasn't super hard, then it was wasting my time. Like if I went to the gym right. and if I'm not going hard, mm -hmm. then it's, then why am I doing this? It's not doing any benefit. That's actually not true. You also are sending a strength and muscle building signal with a much lower intensity. In fact, you know, here's the biggest difference, by the way, with strength athlete programming, which we already said was superior to bodybuilding type programming. There's something to learn from both, but the programming itself is, is often superior with strength athletes because, again, they have the objective measure of strength. 
Here's the big difference. But they manipulate the strength athlete training manipulates intensity, mm-hmm. and they're very good at. It. In fact, you'll often see, for example, if, yes, if you follow, for example, our one of our strength programs, Maps Powerlift, you'll see in there percentages, and those percentages are help you modify intensity. Other programs will use like RPE or whatever, right? Yep. In bodybuilding training, that, that, that doesn't exist. It's like go to failure, go to failure, go to failure. And this just isn't uh, as effective uh, right. for most, uh, especially for most natural lifters or the average person, which is 99.9% of everybody listening. So manipulating intensity is very important when you're practicing your lifts often. I'll give you a simple example. Let's say you want to get really good at a squat. You could actually squat four or five days a week and you'll get strong really fast. However, you cannot squat hard four or five days a week and that happened. You squat hard four or five days a week, not only will you not get strong, you'll get weaker um, and you'll actually start to overtrain very, very well. Rapidly. This is also the the value of actually, you know, following a structured program from a coach or somebody who really knows what they're doing. Because right. th- as a young man that's that's learning all this information and and ambitious and, and coming in the gym and I'm, I'm motivated or I'm hyped up because of whatever I just mm. watched before I came in there. Or I just took my pre workout and so I'm all amped. Sometimes you don't do a very good job of uh, objectively looking at this yourself, right? Like you, right. you get caught up in the moment, the energy, or maybe you're working out with your buddy, right? How many times have you done this? Training with your buddy. You know what you're supposed to be doing that way. This is why I don't like training partners. I know a lot yeah. of people talk about the benefits of training partners. This is one of the reasons why I don't like training partners is because nobody knows better than you uh, if that's probably either following a program or should be following some sort of routine where you're manipulating intensity what your lift should look like that day. This is why we don't work out together. Yeah. Yet we, with all the knowledge in this room and, and, and expertise and how much we enjoy being in the gym together, when we train, we train separately because you guys don't know what I need to do intensity-wise in the workout. And I know myself well enough that if I hop in with Sal and, it, and I know, okay, last squat session, I went really hard overreach. Today, I need to be more focused on mobility type yeah. training back off. And he's feeling it because he just had mm-hmm. a great rest day before his legs are fully recovered and he wants to push it it's real hard for me to go oh, yeah. oh i'm gonna go ahead and take two right. of those plates well, off the thing, and speaking to you know the type of person that would be attracted to this type of conversation right i want to be the biggest i want to be the you know the strongest guy in the gym strongest girl whatever like the, the hardest thing to do is to apply that kind of discipline when you're getting into your list not to to overdo it and to find that that right and correct dose and, and honestly that's that's one of those things as a coach that more times than not, I'm I'm pulling somebody back from you know that energy that they're just trying to to smash always. Everything. It's always that. Okay, here's the thing. There's there's really like I mean we could kind of divide this in two types of categories of people that that go to the gym. There's the people that openly admit. I hate coming here. I don't like exercise. Everything feels like it hurts. They want to be out of there as soon as right. possible. It's a different conversation. Right. That person, that I'm trying to motivate them to stretch themselves yeah. and to get comfortable being in these intense type of situations and, and trying to stretch their capacity. Then there's the other group of people. They like to work out. Mm. They love it. They feel good when they train. Yeah, and somebody who says, I want to be the strongest person in the yes, gym is yeah, that. Is that. And those people, those are the ones I always have to pull back. Now, think of it this way, okay? Think of it this way. It, it, forget the gym for a second. I know right now we're talking about you want to be the strongest person in the gym. If you're listening, forget that for a second. Imagine if the goal was to be the best soccer player on the field or the best baseball player on the field or the best basketball player on the court. You would not go and practice your your techniques with full intensity all the time. That wouldn't make you the best. You would practice the technique, the technique, the technique. And then occasionally you'd go hard. You'd play a game you'd or go scrimmage. Perform. You would go perform. You would not just go as hard as you possibly could all the time. If you did, you, it would be the wrong strategy. There's no coach in the world that would coach anybody to be good uh, doing it that way. The goal is the same here. You want to be the strongest person in the gym. You practice the lifts often, and then you manipulate your intensity. So what does this look like? Okay, well, what this looks like is uh, sometimes you're training really, really hard. Most of the time, it's moderate, and sometimes it's easy. And that's how it looks through your workout. Now, if this is confusing, of course, you could follow pre-written workouts that do all this for you. But that's the idea. That'll get you there so much faster. I didn't, I didn't hit any of my strength goals till much later. And I love strength. I said in the beginning of the episode, I was super focused on strength as a kid, but I was always stuck at certain numbers. 
until I figured this out as an adult and then manipulated my intensity and practiced my lifts often. And then everything went through the roof. Well, part of what feeds into this, though, is this this myth, right, of you have to be sore in order for your body to be sending the signal to build muscle. Wow. Right, because that means you worked. Right. And that was, this was, again, another mistake that I made. In fact, I didn't think I had a good workout unless I felt really sore right. the next day. And I think a lot of people go down that path. And so when they're training and they're going like, oh, I can tell that this is a pretty easy, I'm not going to be sore from this. And that's, they, they start flirting with pushing beyond where they should probably go for that workout because they think they're not going to be sore enough from it. And then they're not going to get the max benefits from it. And the, it's completely the opposite. No, what's funny is uh, later on in my personal training career, when I was actually good at what I was doing, uh, I, my goal was my clients to never get sore. I never wanted That's my clients right. to get sore. In fact, when they would come in and I'd say, hey, how did you feel after the last workout? Like, oh man, I was really sore. I knew I overdid the intensity for their training session. We overdid the volume. We need to scale back. Now, early on in my career, when I was far less successful with clients getting good results, I soreness was the goal. Did you get sore last workout? Right. No, I didn't. All right, we're going to make you sore this time. You know? That's exactly where that saying comes from is because someone, a client would come in and say that and then they'd hear me go, oh, damn, too much. And yes. like, then they go, no, no, it feels good. It feels good. I feel good. It was yeah, a good yeah. workout. I'd be like, no, that's not our goal. My goal is actually do as little as possible to elicit the most amount of change yes. for you. Yes. Okay, so you have to understand this uh, with the body. The body, when you're doing the training session, whatever your goal is, the goal is to obviously improve your body, and that's an adaptation process, right? So getting stronger is your body's a way to adapt so that what you're doing is not causing stress on your body. So if you bench press 100 pounds, and that's really hard and stressful for your body, and then your body gets stronger so you can bench press 200 pounds, 100 pounds no longer causes any problems. Of course, then you add weight and then you continue the cycle. Now, the problem is when you do your training, because you're stressing the body, you do cause a little bit of damage. Now, if the damage is too much, your body only is going to heal. It's not going to adapt. Adapting, getting stronger, burning body fat, you know, building muscle, adapting is separate from healing. Healing is just getting you back to where you were before. Adapting is on top of that. Well, if you're hammering yourself all the time, beating yourself up and you're always sore, your body needs to heal. It can't even think about adapting. And so, look, by the way, if this is you, this is what it looks like for you. This is you, if I, and this might ring a bell, right? You work out really hard. You get really sore. The soreness goes away. You go back to the gym and you do it again. And you never get stronger. Nothing ever changes. What you're literally doing is damaging and healing, damaging and healing, and you're never improving. You're stuck no on progress. This, you're stuck on a hamster wheel. There's another thing that feeds right into that, which is the next point is is knowing how to phase your training. Totally. Because part of what can cause this kind of recovery trap is you go and you you have a routine that you love to do. Mm -hmm. You love training this way and you love beating yourself because you feel the intensity when you work out and you know it gets you sore all the time. And no doubt it worked the first time. That's right? right. So you just keep you get stuck in this phase or this this way of training for long periods of time. This is my my biggest bone that I have to pick with a lot of like these, you know, uh, you know, niche like gyms that are like these, uh, you know, group training where they have like a template that they follow like all the time yeah. and they're kind of rotating through. It's like initially when you go do that stuff, of course the body responds. You've it's, it's novel to the body. Mm -hmm. So the body goes, Oh wow, this is new. We burn some body fat. We build some muscle. I get a little stronger, but then it doesn't take very long for the body to get completely adapted to that. And then the progress to start to slow to a complete stop. Right. Mm -hmm. So to give you an example, and this might be sound at first a little contrary, but you know, uh, okay, so we just talked, we've been talking now on the episode, low reps, that's what gets you stronger. I love low repetitions. And I'll never forget when I really figured out how to phase was uh, I did low reps all the time. And I was stuck. I don't remember what weight I was stuck at with my deadlift squat and all that, but I was stuck and I plateaued. I switched to going to much higher reps. I started doing sets of 15. You know what happened? I got stronger with my low reps because I phased into a different style of training, which got my body to respond. And here's the beauty of getting stronger within a particular range, right? Anywhere between one rep to I'd say 30 reps. All those rep ranges actually contribute to each of those rep ranges. In other words, if you get stronger at doing 20 reps of your squat, you're going to get some strength at your one rep of squat. If you get stronger at your one rep of, strong, uh, of, of squat, you're going to get stronger with your 20 reps of squat. So they communicate with each other. So phasing into different training styles and rep ranges and rest periods within reason 
is going to progress you much faster, even with your maximal strength. So you don't have to train. In fact, if you train specifically one way all the time, that's almost a guaranteed way of hitting a hard plateau and your body not progressing at all. Well, and I think the key of phasing it like really well is kind of knowing to tr when to transition yes. and doing it uh, soon enough that you don't- Before you plateau. Yeah, before you stall out, before you plateau, before the joints start talking to you, before you start to even see sometimes regression in your guys' well, strength. Well, this is a very tough one, and this is why it's very valuable to follow a program specifically to tell you when, because a lot of times your body does finally respond and get very good at what you're doing. And so then, you know, that brings all this new energy, which then you want to then test yourself even more and keep, you know, that energy going into maxing out and peaking. Mm. And, you know, you may be in that phase a bit too long to where now you're going to have uh, like a downward effect. The best way to bust out of plat. I see all these workout programs and people, you know, posting on social media. And it's like how to break out of a plateau, how to get your body to respond again. The best way to break out of a plateau is to never hit the plateau in the first place. Avoid it before you get to it, because once you hit a plateau, you got to back out of it before you can progress, and that takes more time. It's better to move into a new phase before the plateau hits. That way you can get your body to progress, continuously progress, at least at a much more consistent pace. You say that so easily, but I tell you what, That's that is one of the most difficult things still to this day, okay? I, and I'll admit, I'm sure the two of you are the same way too. Because it's hard because the a lot of times, so we know like most of our programs are phased in anywhere between like a three and a five week range, right? So that's kind of- So what, every three to five weeks, you move into a new phase. That's right. So that's, and that's most all the research points in that range is that's where, that's where it's at. Now, obviously there's always an individual variance, but for most people, they'll get the most benefit by transitioning into another phase. Now, what happens a lot of times is I'm on my, the, we're on like maps and a block. I'm on phase, you know, I'm on the last week of phase one and I know I'm getting ready to transition into the next phase and I just hit a PR, Right. you know, I don't want to not do that again next week. Yeah. I want to see how strong I am again, because maybe I'll go even further and maybe you will, but that's the discipline of knowing that, okay, great. I'm getting great gains right now. I can't fall in love with this way of training. It's time to transition yeah. myself out and move to another phase. And that's how you avoid the plus plateaus. It's, plus it's tough to jump into a phase that's maybe not your favorite or it's something like you feel like you're you're starting over again. Of course. You well, know, that's exactly what it feels like. Yeah. So, I mean, in anything, right? You, nobody likes to continuously be a beginner. And, and so, like, that's one of those things that it, it does require a lot of discipline, but it helps a lot to have that structured out for you so you don't have to be completely, like, That's the only it. way to do it. For me... I, the only way that I uh, effectively phase my workouts is if I follow a written program. If yeah. I listen to my body, I get yeah. trapped in what Adam well, said. Well, you just said you you're going to trick yourself. You just said something that's really important. Like you, you said you feel like you're a beginner. We've talked about on the show before. If you've been listening for a long time, that there's this thing called newbie games. Oh, the beginner games. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah, and they come on fast and strong. When you've never done any of this stuff and you start training, it's like one of the, my favorite clients to teach because the gains come on like crazy. They get stronger very fast. That's right. Now, after you've been lifting for a really long time, you're in pursuit of that. Even though it's really hard to find because you've been lifting and you've done a lot of things, you want- Yeah, you're mining for it. So exactly, you are trying to look for that. And one of the ways to do that is to phase into a place where you're uncomfortable, to train a way that you don't like to train. You're a bodybuilder guy all the time, go train like a strong man or a power lifter, okay? Mm -hmm. If you're a functional person all the time, go try doing like a bodybuilding type. If you're always bodybuilding, go try to train functional. Those things, you will feel like a beginner again, and that's where those newbie gains start to come on. Yeah. Now, mm -hmm. the next thing is diet-related, and diet does play a big role in getting stronger. And the people that I would work with who oftentimes were more challenged by this than others were women. It was very difficult to get women to eat more to get stronger because most of my female clients' goals were to get leaner. So like, no, nah, I don't want to eat more. Uh, I want I'm trying to get leaner, even though I like getting stronger and I can see what it's doing to my body. Uh, I, w I don't want to eat more. And I tell them, listen, if we eat more and we fuel the strength even more, you're going to get leaner, uh, on accident in a, in a very effective way because the muscles build more. If you want to get stronger, you have to eat also to get stronger. It's very difficult to consistently get stronger by eating in a calorie deficit or by eating in a, in a diet that is restrictive of any of the macros. So I'm talking to people who like to reduce or eliminate carbohydrates. It's going to be very hard to get as strong as you can 
without eating those carbohydrates. Now, I, I do want to say there is a individual variance. If your diet is the one that you need to eat because it makes you the healthiest, for example, let's say you have a re very reactive body to, let, let's say you eat a carnivore diet. It's a very extremely restrictive diet. You just eat meat. And the reason why you just eat meat is if you eat anything else, you get autoimmune flare-ups. Well, for you, carnivore diet's going to be the diet that's going to make you the strongest. Otherwise, if you're uh, if you're otherwise okay with most foods, a diet that contains proteins, high protein, fat, and carbohydrates in a surplus, so your calories are above what you're burning, that's the best diet for strength. You got to fuel the strength, just like you have to fuel muscle. Well, I, just, I think of it like a high performance car, and you know the, all the the micro and macro nutrients are just like all your levels. You know, whether it be your your oil, your gas, your air pressure, your timing belt, mm -hmm. like. You you want all of those at at optimal levels, and if they're all if they're if you're running and you have low tire pressure, you have low fuel, you have low oil, does it mean that car won't go? No, you could get it to go, but is it going to perform at its highest level? There's no way it's going to perform at its highest level without having all those at optimal levels. Nutrition is the same thing. When your pursuit is to get stronger and build more muscle, you want those filled up. It requires yes. energy, so don't you know deprive it of that. And I think that's you know something a lot of people don't really consider that like if if you really think of it as like fuel going into your workouts and like what you're trying to do and accomplish and build you need the materials to build now that being said don't eat like an asshole no okay because here's don't another no an you asshole. can get carried this away is, this is well here's another another mistake again as a as a young kid that wanted to be strong wanted to be buff right that i you know and i hear get it i'll never forget this statement i walked into a gold's gym when i was i think 17 i bet i could predict i heard the same thing <laughs> i walk in and uh it was me and my buddy we're getting a gym membership and and I, you know, they, they ask you, what are your goals? You know, mm -hmm. and I, I literally think I said something like this. I want to be the buffest, strongest guy in the gym or whatever. So what does he do? He, over the loudspeaker calls that guy, you know, <laughs> he works for them, you know, and this dude, this walked. is Troy. Yeah. It was, yeah. It, was it was something like he's that. Chuck, dude, he's Chuck for sure going to yeah. buy Yeah. Membership. It was Chuck or Troy or some shit like that. <laughs> right. And he's got the butch cut, everything. He comes and he's got the fanny pack and he walks and this dude is just, he's just jacked. And he sits down in front of me and he says, if you want to look like a bull, you got to eat like a bull. <laughs> and that's a bunch of grass. Right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally as a kid, to, and, he, and then he went on to explain, you know, the, all the crazy shakes and drinks and food and piling calories on. And that's exactly what I went and did. I mean, it, uh, what I took from that was I just got to eat everything. Yeah, eat until you're sick. That's yeah, right. Eat everything in sight. And. That is just as counterproductive as like the person who's overtraining like crazy. Yeah, it's the yeah. same thing. You'll see some results. You'll see the scale go up in gains, but it'll be minimal if you're just piling yeah. a bunch of trash. I heard this. I heard, I don't know if you guys ever heard this, but I heard this bullshit statement. There's no such thing as overtraining, just under eating. And I was like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So I guess I just got to eat more food. That's still, very, hey, get, that's still very prevalent in this space. Terrible. Mm -hmm. Stupid advice. No, no. You definitely need to eat in a surplus. And here's a deal. Um, there are definitely exceptions to the rule. But you're not going to be your strongest if you're shredded. You're just not. You're you're not going to be. You, it's very difficult to be shredded. And when I say shredded, I don't mean lean. You can be lean and be very strong. I mean shredded, like you're a guy, single digit body fat, of a female, you know, the mid to low teens body fat. It's going to be very hard to be really strong and be that lean. Typically, your body fat percentage needs to be, you know, somewhere in the middle. So for a guy, anywhere between 10 to 16%, which by the way, that's a good body fat range. 10%, you still could see your abs, 15, 16%. You might not have a six pack, but you got a flat, you know, midsection roughly. Um, you're going to be pretty strong in that range. That's a good healthy range. For a woman, you're looking at the high teens, low 20s, still lean. In fact, most women are very happy at that body fat percentage. They've got nice curves. They're tight. They're not flabby or whatever. But if you're a woman and you're you know trying to get down to 12% body fat and be very, very strong, uh, it's very, very hard. Eating in a surplus does fuel strength. You could definitely get carried away, and there are diminishing returns. So this is why you see sometimes you know really, really overweight powerlifters and strength athletes, and that's because for them, they don't care about the diminishing returns. If they need to gain 50 pounds to add 10 pounds to the bar, right. they're not in a weight class or they're in the super heavy weight class where they can get as heavy as they, they want. It doesn't matter. But for most of us, you know, you know, gaining 50 pounds of body fat to add five or 10 pounds in the bar is not worth it. Um, but yes, eating in a surplus, not avoiding uh, macronutrients. You got to have your carbohydrates, your fats, and your and definitely your proteins. That's the way to fuel strength. If you don't eat enough, it's gonna be very very hard to get strong consistently. And simple advice where to start um, is to, to target the protein. I, th I find in, in my experience, uh, the most common is that. 
especially as a young kid who's trying to eat like crazy. When I when I started to actually really track my food, I was eating a lot of calories, but I was not getting a lot of, of, of like quality protein. Mm. I was eating a lot of carbohydrates, French fries and milkshakes and candy and anything I eat, ice cream, anything I can get my hands on. And sure, the calories were up there, but I wasn't even hitting like my protein intake. So my advice when I get somebody who wants to get strong, wants to build muscle, it's like the first place to start is make sure you hit those protein intakes. So figure out what your body needs. And we have a, a macro calculator that's on, on our website that's free. What's a what, Doug? Maps what's a, macro. Is that what it is? Mapsmacro.com? Yeah. Yep. So go to mapsmacro.com, get an idea of where your kind of macronutrients should be. I always suggest targeting, going after the protein first, and then you can kind of pile on the other calories afterwards. Now, here's another one, uh, the next point. And this one you start to see pop up more with people as they become more experienced. So they they start out, they're working out, they're following good, maybe some some halfway decent programming. They're training consistently. They're, they're manipulating intensity properly. They're eating good. They're getting stronger, stronger, stronger. Then they start to hit plateaus, and it's hard to figure out why. Why am I stuck at this weight with bench press or mm -hmm. why can't I overhead press any more weight and oftentimes it's because they have neglected yeah. the muscles uh, that stabilize the body so your body has it's very interesting has safety mechanisms in place to, to help prevent itself from getting injured and one of those is if your body senses that the weight that you can move is too much weight for you to stabilize or puts you at too high of a risk of injury it's not going to allow your central nervous system to output the juice needed to lift that weight. So, for example, if your overhead press is stuck at 150 pounds, but the reality is your shoulders and triceps can press 180 pounds, but your body realizes that your rotator cuff and your shoulder stabilizer and your mobility and your core stabilization isn't allowing you to press any more than 150, mm -hmm. you might be stuck at 150 pounds. And by the way, for those of you right now who are listening who are like, ah, oh, that doesn't make any sense. Just try this. Go do go test your overhead press, and then put on a weight belt and test on your test your overhead press. The weight belt has nothing to do with your shoulders and your arms. Mm -hmm. All it's doing is stabilizing your core, and you'll find that because you have increased stabilization, you can actually lift well, more weight. Fun, yeah, totally. If I used to do this with my clients a lot of times, where I'd have them do a one arm overhead press uh, one time with just you know a regular kind of a loose position, well, obviously in good posture and everything. But then the second rep, I wanted them to make a fist with their other hand yeah. and then squeeze and and really contract their abs and everything else in their body at the same time, and then press. And, and just see how much more strength that you can output uh, just with that one move. Well, one. another story that highlights this really well, Sal, you have to share it. You've shared, shared on the store, uh, story on the, on the show multiple times before, and that's the uh, bench press plateau that you were on for many years before you purchased the shoulder horn. Yeah, no, I was. I don't remember what the weight was, but I was stuck on my bench press for a long time, and I couldn't figure it out, couldn't figure it out. And uh, a trainer actually told me that they got their bench press to go up by – using this device and it was back then it was in the back of the bodybuilding magazines and now when he when he directed you that sorry to interrupt when you were directed that did you were you aware it was a stability issue at this time when he's telling you or you just thought oh do this thing and then it'll no idea it was until later you until he said it and then i thought to myself huh maybe it's because i can't stabilize the weight and i, I was at least open enough to consider that and of course when you're a kid and you got the strong guy telling you to do something you don't even have to, you know, necessarily understand. You're just going to do what they, you know, you're going to do right, what right. they tell you, right? And so I saw the device and I saw what the movement was. I didn't buy the device; I actually just mimicked it at the gym, and my strength went up immediately because I was able to strengthen some of the muscles that stabilized my upper arm, in, in particular the infraspinatus and, and supraspinatus. I saw my strength. I added five or ten pounds literally that week mm -hmm. from doing such a silly exercise with like a five pound dumbbell yeah. because of stabilization. I've had this with clients where their squat is stuck and then we do some isometrics where we strengthen their, you know, their, their legs ability to abduct. And next thing you know, we add five or 10 pounds. Your limiting factors are the weak links in the yeah. chain. And oftentimes it's these, the, your ability to stabilize and support the weight. Well, and it's important that the body has that mechanism. I mean, that saves you from a lot of injury and pain down the road. It's just, you have to acknowledge what your body's actually, what that signal is, is telling you. And you have to be able to find your way into those types of moves where, okay, those specific stabilizing muscles I haven't been utilizing and I haven't been focusing on 
you know, when I do, it's really going to contribute to the overall. Mm. Well, I saw this with uh, single leg deadlifts and the way it contributed to my my, my bilateral deadlifts, right? Yeah. So I got, I got really into this, you know, dumbbell single leg deadlift because it was hard. It was really difficult. I remember the first time I did it, it was already hard just to balance. It's hard to balance on that one leg, to hinge at the hips, mm-hmm. uh, much less holding any heavy weight in my hands. And I remember I made it a goal. Like, can I get up to where I was doing, holding on to 100-pound dumbbells plus with one leg and doing this with good form? And I did. And, and I remember watching that progression. First of all, go back to our last point. It was hard. It was uncomfortable. It was difficult for us. But the, I, and I, was, I think I started with 20-pound dumbbells. But it was n- awesome because every week it went from 20 to 30. It was novel. Yes, it was new. My body had it. And I was getting better and better and better. Next thing you know, I'm able to do this with 100-pound dumbbells. Then I go back to doing regular deadlifts. And oh my God, I felt so connected, so much stronger and stable from doing that. So it has tons tons of carryover to the big lifts. Yeah, I mean, okay, here's another silly example, but imagine your, your max squat. Now imagine you're doing this, but you're standing on really, really squishy fat pillows while you're trying to squat this weight. You're not going to be able to do it because the lack of stabilization in the pillows is going to make you not be able to lift. Well, that's right. what happens to your body when you're stabilizing muscles can't support what you're doing, which takes us to the next point, which is to prime your body consistently and properly before your workouts. Priming partially takes care of the stabilization issue because proper priming highlights stabilization issues, but proper priming also does much more. It also turns on the central nervous system in a way that allows you to access the CNS for maximal strength. And this is a big difference. And again, for people who are like, uh, what, what big of it, what, how big of a difference does this make? Uh, here's a simple example. You could test people without caffeine and then give them caffeine, and you'll see a 5% increase in strength just from giving them some caffeine. What did the caffeine do? Did it make their muscles grow? No. The caffeine turned on the CNS a little bit more, allowed them to fire a little bit more effectively. That's why you're weaker when you're tired. Proper priming, which you spend about 10 minutes before your workout's doing this, this that's what proper priming does. Well, and this can be a very nuanced, long conversation. So um, I'm gonna tell Andrew to reference this episode where we just recently did on why working or, or why uh, warm ups are a waste of time. Right, we just talked about this, and we went really in deep about pr- what priming is, how to do it, how not to do it, what it looks like. We we have uh, two webinars that are free where uh, Justin takes you through the the MAPS Prime uh, webinar. I take you through the Prime Pro webinar. And I, I highly recommend that you take it. It's free. It's absolutely free. Yeah, so one is mapsprimewebinar.com, and then the other one's primeprowebinar.com. Right, mm-hmm. and they're absolutely free, extremely valuable. Because here's the thing, too. We talked about it on that episode. I, I, I didn't tell you guys this. Afterwards, we had I had a bunch of people DM me that they, and I don't know if you saw some of the tags of people that were going through yeah. the webinar. yeah. And I got a flood of DMs of people going, I'm so glad you pointed me that because I they owned Prime and Prime Pro already. But because the I take you through and you take people through, you see the intent yeah. of how you need to do this. It's not, you don't just go through the motions. There has to be an intent involved with every single movement that you, when you do this in order to get the maximum benefits so that when you go to do your workout and when you do it right, we talked about this on that other episode. That's what's beautiful about this. I love teaching people how to prime properly because the workout, the very next workout that you go into where you did a good job of priming correctly, you will feel and see a difference immediately. Right. You will. Proper priming, in fact, I've, I've, people typically are stronger right away from proper priming because they're just their muscles are firing more efficiently and effectively. Well, I like to look at it, too, as ways of teaching the body how to anchor itself in certain unstable situations in an environment. So, you know, if I have load uh, that I'm dropping at a, at a part of my body where the rest of my body needs to really ground itself, I need to be able to keep everything from going off the bench. Or, you, you know, I might be in a, in a single loaded position where the, the other part of my body, I really need to figure out how to squeeze and, and ground and anchor myself. Uh, you know, priming is like that, but finding that stable position. It's it's about finding that stable position in whatever you're doing. Yeah, to give you a simple example, example, um, if let's say you want to increase your bench press and in your particular case, the problem is the anchoring at the bottom of the bench where your shoulders are pinned back and you've got this real tight upper back and, and your lats are activated. And if you ever talk to powerlifters, they'll tell you 
to activate your lats when you bench press. Um, and let's say you have an issue with that. Well, believe it or not, performing proper rows before you bench press will actually help you bench press more weight more effectively. It's mm -hmm. one simple example. Um, I know in our program, MAPS uh, Power Lift, we actually put priming before a lot of the lifts to help uh, people out. Well, and you have to explain too to people why why that's a problem, right? So you picked a perfect one because I think that's like 99% of everybody. Like we almost everybody has some somewhat of forward, forward shoulders, yeah. right? Because we do everything in front of us. So yeah. it's very, very common. It's just a matter of how bad it is for you. And I remember, and I remember this as a trainer for a long time, bench press is one of the hardest things to teach somebody. If you don't understand biomechanics, really. it's not a simple exercise. No, it's not at all, and it's and and you're working against most people's deviation, right? So most people have this forward shoulder, and in order to maximize the bench press, to get the most out of it, to load it, to work the chest the best, you need to be in a, a retracted and depressed position with the shoulders. And what happens with everybody is everybody's naturally here and forward. So if you just get under a, under a bar and start benching. You're already one. The shoulders very unstable, and it's rolled forward. So the triceps, the arms, the shoulders take over the movement, and you feel very little. In Especially the chest. if you're telling them to push, and it's hard, and they're trying to move the weight forward, and then you see them do this with their shoulders. That's right, and it sets you up for injury. Right. So priming that person properly before the lift turns those other stabilizing muscles on and is more likely to keep them in proper positions right. for a couple different reasons. One, it actually turns the muscles on. Uh, and two, it also allows them to feel what that proper position That's right. uh, feels like. Um, now, I know we're all going to get a lot of messages on you know what workout plans that people can follow that you know, are going to help. And the programs that we have that are best suited for strength are MAPS Strong and MAPS Powerlift. But what we're going to do is we're going to offer a limited time kind of a flash sale because of this episode, because we don't like to give people tons of advice and then leave people hanging who actually want to follow something structured. So we're putting both of them massive sales. So you can actually get MAPS Strong and MAPS Power Lift. It's called the Power Bundle. Here's the total for both, okay? One payment, $79.99. So it's a huge discount. You can find it at mapspowerbundle.com. And this promotion ends April 19th. Look, if you like the podcast, you like our information, go check out all of our free stuff at map, uh, excuse me, mindpumpfree.com. You can also find all of us on Instagram. You can find Justin at Mind Pump Justin, me at Mind Pump Sal, and Adam at Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump. <laughs>